Wasn't that a blessing? And uh, thank you. Thank you for that song. Uh, uh, part of that uh, song, Just As I Am, is uh, page 167 in our hymn book. And a uh, very beautiful story behind that song. Charlotte Elliott uh, penned the words to the song. The music was uh, put together by William Bradbury. But uh, Charlotte Elliott was struggling with this issue of her salvation. Uh, salvation is so simple, and yet apart from the Holy Spirit of God, we're blinded. We can't see it. The Holy Spirit has to open our eyes uh, to see the marvelous gift of salvation. Uh, she grew up in a, in a uh, very religious home, but uh, was uncertain of her salvation, struggled, uh, wanting to know for sure that she was saved. Uh, always had this uh, thought or this idea that if she could just be good enough, if she could uh, just repent enough, if she could just weep enough, she could have forgiveness and salvation, but there was just no assurance. That's the problem with religion. I hate religion. Uh, religion is man's effort to earn his way to God. It can never be done. And the story of, of Charlotte Elliott, uh, a preacher, uh, just understanding the turmoil, the brokenness that was taking place in her heart, said, Charlotte, the way you come to Jesus is just as you are. You come as a sinner. You come lost. You come undone. You see, he buys you not for who you are, but for what he's going to make you to be. He paid the full price. And, and Charlotte Elliott, uh, contemplating those words, you come to Jesus just as you are, uh, came to peace in her heart of a relationship with Jesus Christ and then penned those words, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. That's the way you come to Jesus. It's a gift. You can never earn it. You'll never deserve it. It's God's gift. You come and he purchased you with his blood and when he comes into your heart, he gives you his spirit and he changes your life. We're actually going to see that this morning in the word of God. Let's go to the book of Zechariah, chapter number 12. We're going to examine... An exciting prophecy in God's Word. I love Bible prophecy. And we've uh, kind of been dealing with some end-time events and some things that are taking place uh, across our world today. And I have been just kind of uh, stirred this week as I have watched what's taking place in Israel, in Jerusalem in particular, and uh, as I thought about the events that are happening right before us, my heart was turned here uh, to the book of Zechariah. And through this week, I've just been reading through Zechariah 12 and 13 and 14. Uh, exciting prophecies that we have here in the Word of God. Would you stand with me? We're going to read just a few verses here together this morning. <laughs> Zechariah chapter 12. Uh, we'll begin here, verse number 1. Zechariah 12, uh, verse number 1. The burden... Of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, he says, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Ju Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Here's something that is amazing. Uh, 2018, November, this church sent my wife and I 
for our 30th anniversary here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. You sent us to Israel. We spent five nights in Jerusalem. Uh, not a large city, many larger cities here in the United States of America and across the world. Uh, it's not in particular the most beautiful city that you'll see across the world. But that one little city, that, that one small place on the earth is going to be the cause of the final war. That one city will gather all the nations of the world to battle. Isn't that amazing? One little seemingly insignificant city is going to play a key role in what we're about to see happening in our world. Jerusalem. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. You're so gracious, so very good to us. And Lord, thank you for the song that we've heard. Thank you for the gift of salvation, that it is a gift, that we come to you just as we are, broken for our sin, lost and undone, and Lord, you paid the debt that we owe. You paid it in full. There's nothing more to add to it. We simply receive that gift. Thank you, Lord. I thank you that even after we receive it, we can't even keep it ourselves. Lord, that's your job. And you hold us. You keep us by your power. You seal us with your Holy Spirit of promise unto the day of redemption. Thank you for that promise. And Lord, as we think about your covenant with your children, we think about Israel, Jerusalem. You have an eternal covenant, an everlasting covenant with Israel, with Jerusalem. And it's a covenant that you will never, ever break. You can never lie. Thank you that you're faithful always to your promises. We see that so truly this morning in this passage. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask. Amen. You may be seated <clears throat> this morning. Uh, just taking this thought of Jerusalem. Do you realize Jerusalem is central in God's plan? Uh, some have referred to Jerusalem as God's city. I've heard it referred to as an eternal city because we know in Revelation 21, 22, uh, the Bible promises a new Jerusalem, a new earth. Uh, Jerusalem is mentioned here in chapters 12, 13, and 14 of Zechariah. It's mentioned 21 times. Now, I'm, I'm a biblical literalist, and by that I take the Bible literally. Uh, I believe what God says, and I believe that when God speaks, God's able to perform that which He speaks. Uh, when God is speaking of Jerusalem, He's speaking of the literal city of Jerusalem. Uh, we're not spiritualizing this this morning. It's not London or Chicago or Babylon or New York City. It's the literal Jerusalem that we're talking about. Now, if you want to know where we are on God's timetable, I've always told people, Follow Israel. Look to Jerusalem. Look to the Middle East. We've seen some amazing things happen concerning Jerusalem just in our own lifetime. One of the most amazing, and it, it's fulfilling Bible prophecies, one of the most amazing events, 1967, the Six-Day War. You see, since A.D. 70, Jerusalem was under Gentile rule. It was controlled by Rome for a time, by the Turks, by the Arabs, by England. In 1967, uh, the Arabs came against Israel. Their goal was to cast Israel into the depths of the sea to utterly destroy Israel. But rather than destroying Israel, God intervened 
And God expanded the territory of Israel, uh, the Golan Heights near the Sea of Galilee, but the city of Jerusalem uh, again came under Jewish control for the first time since A.D. 70. I've seen some footage of this miracle. You ever have an opportunity to see that very moment when the Jews occupied the Temple Mount? Uh, it's an emotional thing to watch. Uh, you'll see the Jews and the soldiers as they, as they take control of this section of land. It's their holy site. It's the place of their temple. It's the place of so many Bible prophecies. When they took control of that little piece of ground, that little uh, piece of real estate, uh, tears, they began to weep. These full-grown men, these soldiers, they fell to their faces weeping and sobbing as they experienced this miracle of God in again giving Israel and the Jews control of that temple mount. Uh, today, Jerusalem, in particular the Temple Mount, though still occupied by the Arabs, is under Jewish control. Uh, back in 2018, we had the opportunity to go to the Temple Mount. I'll say some things about that here in just a moment. And it was interesting, there were Arab soldiers there, uh, but we noticed the Arab soldiers, and our tourist guide pointed this out, they had no weapons. Uh, it was the Israeli soldiers that had the weapons. And the guide explained to us, because in 1967, that again came under Jewish control and simply the Arabs were allowed there because of the mosque uh, that is built on the temple site, on the Temple Mount. Uh, you may remember that during President Trump's days in office, he moved our American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, when we were there in Israel, we had the opportunity to drive by that uh, uh, Israel or American embassy that was in the process of being built. And it was really amazing, uh, the, the Jews, uh, those that we had contact with, they were so excited about that. And since the move of our embassy to Jerusalem, acknowledging Jerusalem as the capital city of Israel, uh, there have been other nations that have followed suit. So much Bible prophecy centers around Jerusalem. One of the great proofs that the Bible is the Word of God is prophecy. God sees all things. He sees the beginning from the ending. The Bible is 100% accurate. God is never wrong. God's prophecies are never wrong. Do you realize over 300 prophecies concerning the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? And every one of those 300 prophecies fulfilled in the minutest detail. There are multitudes of prophecies that center around the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And likewise, they will be fulfilled in minute detail. Everything that God predicts will come to pass. Now, if you follow the news, Jerusalem in the news again. This past week, there were clashes on the Temple Mount between the Palestinians, the Arabs, and the Jews. It's interesting. Uh, I don't pay attention to the secular media. Uh, it's interesting. The reports of liberal media today, the world hates uh, God, hates Jerusalem, hates the Jew, hates Israel. And that is very evident in the reporting that is taking place. 
Uh, November 2018, my wife and I spent five days in Jerusalem, five nights in Jerusalem. We visited the old city of Jerusalem. We went to the Temple Mount on several occasions. Uh, we took a group picture uh, on that very location where this past week there were conflicts. And I, I watched on a, a news video footage, and I realized my wife and I, we were right there. And right now there, there's conflict. There was some turmoil taking place the very spot where we had the opportunity uh, to take a group picture with our, our tour group. There are things happening in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount that are moving us toward the fulfillment of these prophecies here in the book of Zechariah. As I saw the news this week, I, I was reminded of these prophecies, and I, I kept turning back to this portion of Scripture. And I really felt, and I'm going to preach uh, through this both this morning and tonight, I think it's very important. I think you're going to get excited when you see what's happening of what God is doing. We live in some exciting days. I cannot think of another time in all the history of the world that I'd rather live than this day in which I live right now. It appears so very quickly that we're moving toward the rapture. And then following the rapture, the day of the Lord, the tribulation, the great tribulation, the rise of an antichrist. And then at the end of seven years of tribulation, the return of Jesus Christ, and here in the book of Zechariah, it mentions that when he returns, he will step foot on the Mount of Olives. We had the opportunity to go to that very location. He's going to step on the foot of the Mount of Olives, and uh, the great earthquake will take place, dividing the city, and then Jesus will establish his kingdom, the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look with me, Zechariah chapter 12, verse number 1. And uh, we're not going to have time to get through all of this this morning. We're going to continue really uh, the most exciting portions of this we're going to deal with tonight. Uh, verse number one, you'll see here God's burden for Jerusalem. Uh, we read the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. And he goes on in verses two and three to mention Jerusalem. It's interesting. Jerusalem means the city of peace, but the history of Jerusalem has been far from peaceful. Uh, it's been a city of turmoil. It'll not know peace until the days of the Lord Jesus Christ when he sits upon the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been known, as we said earlier, as God's city. It's a place that concerns the Lord. It's a place that the Lord watches over as the apple of his eye, so to speak, as the Bible speaks in, in the Psalms, I believe it is. Uh, when David became the king of Israel... It was God that directed David to move the capital uh, to the city of Jerusalem. After the death of David, King Solomon, his son ruled in Jerusalem. This was the height of that kingdom. Uh, he built the temple, glorious temple, one of the wonders of the world. It was said filled with luxury, gold, silver, uh, just marvelous in sight. It was the place where the sacrifices unto the Lord took place. Now, years later... Because of Judah's sin, God sent Nebuchadnezzar. We've been studying that in our Sunday school hour, uh, 586 B.C. Uh, God sent Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon against Jerusalem. Uh, the city of Jerusalem was desecrated. The temple was destroyed. And it began a period of what the Bible terms a time of the Gentiles. Uh, since Babylon, 586 B.C., the city of Jerusalem has been trodden underfoot of the Gentiles. That will continue until Je Jesus reigns on the throne of David. Now, in Jerusalem, God raised up the prophets. In Jerusalem, the prophets preached, uh, Zechariah. 
In Jerusalem, prophets were slain. Uh, Jesus ministered in Jerusalem. We had the opportunity to go to several of the different locations where Jesus taught and uh, different uh, miracles that took place in Jerusalem. Uh, in Jerusalem, he healed. In Jerusalem, he raised a young son to life. In Jerusalem, he cleansed the temple that had been rebuilt by Herod uh, just 40 years before Christ was born into this world. It was in Jerusalem that Jesus was betrayed. Uh, he was condemned. He was sentenced to die. And he was crucified just outside the gates of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was burdened in his ministry for Jerusalem, the burden of the Lord. This is a place, as we say, that God has had his eye upon. I'd like you to go to the Gospel of Matthew, keep your place in Zechariah. Uh, but go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter uh, number 23. And you can see the heart of Jesus for this city. Uh, this is just prior to the time when Jesus is betrayed. And when he will be arrested, condemned to die, Jesus knows what is about to happen to the city of Jerusalem. So in the book of Matthew, chapter number 23, I'd like to pick up at about verse 34. And here Jesus, looking out over the city of Jerusalem, he says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias. This is where we're reading in the book of Zechariah, who Jesus is speaking of, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, as Jesus looks out over this city. And I want you to notice verse 37 as he looks out over the city in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19, Jesus, the Bible tells us he wept. And he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. And he says, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, ye shall not see me. Henceforth to you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We're going to read about that even in greater detail tonight. You can see the hurt of Christ as he sees the city. Uh, he knew that he would be crucified. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus knew that the Jews in rejecting him would be judged. And in this, he's predicting of the event that would take place in 70 A.D. when Titus and the Roman armies would come against the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the temple would be desecrated. There would be not one stone left upon another stone. And that's the case even today. Nothing left but the wailing wall. Uh, the city of Je uh, Jerusalem was ransacked at that time. Multitudes fled the city. They were scattered worldwide. Most of those that were left behind were murdered. Uh, women and girls were raped. There are accounts of babies being ripped literally from the wombs of mothers. And this is why Jesus, as he looked out over the city, wept. Because he knew in rejecting him there was destruction and devastation. 
the temple cast down, only the western wall remaining, and still no temple to this day. Jesus foretold these events. But still God is not finished with Jerusalem. He has an eternal covenant. And in Zechariah chapters 12, 13, and 14, there's prophecy concerning Israel, Jerusalem, and its yet future. God tells of a day that Jerusalem will be restored to the Jews, and all nations will flee to it, and it will be the capital of the world. And Jesus will rule in the city of Jerusalem on the throne of David. It will be a time of peace that the world has not known since the sin of mankind. And so I say, keep your eyes upon Jerusalem. And this is God's burden for Jerusalem. Now look with me in Zechariah 12, verse number 1. There's God's warning concerning Jerusalem. Understand this morning, when you mess with Jerusalem, you mess with God. God is all-powerful. You'll see this in verse number 1. He says, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord. And you'll notice here the power of God which stretcheth forth the heavens. We cannot comprehend how vast this universe is. How many billions of miles does it extend? How many stars are there? Now, before I, I got glasses, I did not know I was almost blind. In, in eighth grade, I went on a hunting trip, and a neighbor of mine was pointing out all the constellations, and I'm looking up there, and I couldn't see them. I could count the stars. And, and then discovered I, I was almost blind, got glasses. I looked out, and I said, wow, I didn't know there were so many stars. And what I've discovered since then with telescopes and through science is even what I see with glasses is so short of the multitudes, billions of stars. And my God stretched it all out and he knows them by name. He says the stars and the sun and the moon, it declares the glory of God. But you'll notice here of the power of God and he layeth the foundation of the earth. In all of this vast universe, God made the earth and he especially fitted this earth for mankind. It's perfect for life. Has everything that man needs on this earth. I'd a lot rather live here than on Mars. God has given us water and air and food and all of the natural resources that we need. And then he speaks and he formeth the spirit of man within him. You see, man the only part of God's creation made in the image of God. God made man a living soul. Man is special unto the Lord. And here, speaking of this power of God, God issues to man a warning. Look in verses 2 and 3. He says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. When they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. See, God gave a promise to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. God said to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse him that curseth thee. Now, Israel is his nation. 
formed through the promise of God to Abraham. Uh, Jerusalem was its capital. Uh, history verifies the very thing that God speaks of, though I believe these verses are yet future. We'll talk about this, but there's a principle here. Nations and peoples that have gone against Israel have destroyed themselves. You study back in history, Babylon that we spoke of in Sunday school this morning uh, was God's instrument of judgment, but in judging Jerusalem, God then judged Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, we read in the days of the Grecian Empire and a man named Antiochus Epiphanes who came against Jerusalem at the temple, God destroyed him. Uh, we read in the days of Christ of Rome and in 70 AD, history tells us Rome and Titus destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and God judged them. Uh, even more recently, England, at one time England, it was said the sun never set upon its empire. Uh, but England messed with Israel. And the colonies that were under its control uh, gradually left. And today, England is just one small nation. We know the story of Hitler. And you know the multitudes that were slain in the Holocaust. And we see the judgment of God upon Germany and Hitler as a result. Uh, there's a book, and, and read this book uh, back several years ago. Its title is, America Has Done to Israel. And just astounding. Nine of the top ten most expensive natural disasters in America were related to a time when our policies went against Israel, or Jerusalem. And very interestingly in this book, it pointed out on front pages of newspapers, uh, there would be an article about how America made a policy against Israel, and without even realizing it, same paper, uh, there would be Hurricane Katrina. And this book pointed out, there's just a principle in God's word. God takes care of his nation. It's my conviction, this prophecy of Zechariah is yet future. You'll notice a statement, verse number three, for example, and in that day. In verse number four, in that day. In verse number six, that day. You'll see in verse number eight, that day. Verse nine, that day. And in verse number 11, that day. What's he speaking of? I believe it's the day of the Lord. His prophecies concerning the great tribulation, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the millennial reign of Christ. Now in God's timeline, the next major event is the rapture. Uh, the trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will rise. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Immediately following the rapture comes the tribulation, the last Seven years that God has given to deal with this nation of Israel and Jerusalem. In that tribulation, there will be a false Christ, an antichrist. We preached much about that recently. A false covenant of peace. Now just imagine, look at the escalating war right now in Israel. As you see this war escalating, uh, it's going to be such a time as this that antichrist will come along, resolve the conflict uh, briefly, False peace. Uh, after three and a half years, Antichrist will break his covenant with Israel. Uh, the Bible calls it, speaks of that time as the abomination of desolation. Uh, I want you to go in the Gospel of Matthew. Keep your place in Zechariah. Uh, but turn with me to Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24, here Jesus speaks of this. 
He speaks in verse number 15, and he's speaking here in particular to Israel, to the Jews. This event that he talks about is taking place after the rapture. He says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, that's in Daniel chapter 9, stand in the holy place, this is the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, whoso readeth, let him understand. And then God gives a warning to the Jews. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let them, him which is on the housetop, not come down. And then you'll read on, look in verse 21. And he says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, no, shall ever be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days should be shortened. And he's talking about that last three and a half years uh, before the return of Christ, uh, those days of great tribulation. In the book of Jeremiah, we don't have time to go there, but chapter 30, verses 5 through 7, uh, he speaks of this as the time of Jacob's trouble. He speaks in Daniel chapter 12 as the time of great tribulation to his people. Now God, you go back to the book of Zechariah, God gives a strong warning that those who trouble themselves with Jerusalem will be destroyed. And I believe in particular he's pointing toward the Antichrist and towards his minions. And this is God's warning concerning Israel and, and or concerning Jerusalem. Uh, we see here God's protection of this city, God's protection of Jerusalem. Now the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 12 has to do with the yet future siege of Jerusalem. I said that one little city uh, there in the Middle East that one little city in that small country of Israel, that one little city is going to become the focus of the entire world. The entire world led by Antichrist uh, coming against Jerusalem to siege Jerusalem ends in the final battle of this world, the battle of Armageddon. Now again, verse number 3 of Zechariah 12, God said, And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. God said you're going to get hurt when you mess with Jerusalem. God's saying keep your hands off of Jerusalem. I am protecting it. Now I want you to look in verse number 4. Interesting statement. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment, his rider with madness. I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. As the world comes against Jerusalem, that horse represents warfare. And when a horse goes blind and the rider goes mad, there's going to be confusion. Uh, there's no reason that the Antichrist who will control the armies of the world should not be able to overcome Jerusalem. But God will fight on behalf of that city. And you will see the power of God unleashed against the world that is turned against him. Uh, the battle of, of Armageddon will be ineffective because the Lord, we're going to see some exciting things tonight. The Lord will return for heaven. Uh, there, I think there's a, a prophecy that could come about very, very quickly, and that's Ezekiel 38 and 39, where Russia and northern empires will come against Jerusalem, and God will destroy them, and uh, it's an amazing prophecy. We'll get to that maybe some point in some time, uh, but God will deal 
with those that come against Jerusalem. In verses 5 and 6, during those days God will be a refuge for his people. He says, And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength and the Lord of hosts, uh, their God. In that day I will make the governors of Judah like an hearth of fire among the wood and like a torch of fire in a sheaf. And they shall devour the people round about on the right hand, on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. See, Antichrist will hate the Jews. He will hate Israel, much like Hitler uh, during the Holocaust, during the Great Tribulation. Antichrist will lead the nations of the earth against Israel, against Judah, uh, the nations of the east. China, uh, the nations of the West, the European empires, the nations of the North, uh, Russia, uh, the nations of the South, the Arabians, uh, toward Jerusalem. He knows that Jesus has promised to rule and reign upon the throne of David in Jerusalem, and he will seek to destroy that. As he, so Antichrist will gather these armies together in the valley of Megiddo, but God will protect his nation and protect his people. I want you to look at Zechariah chapter 12, verse number 8. And it says, In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. David was a great leader, great king, a mighty soldier. And the house of David shall be as God and the angel of the Lord before them. You see, God will protect them. And it shall come to pass in verse number 9, In that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. I very quickly want you to look at verse 10 because I want to close with this thought. And here is an amazing prophecy that God will soon bring to fulfillment. God said, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him, as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his children. I want you to get the picture of what God has said. The nations of the world and Antichrist will come against Jerusalem. God will stand up and fight on behalf of Jerusalem. As this is taking place, the Bible speaks to the Jews, and the Jews in that day will be turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will look upon Him whom they have pierced. God said that He would pour His Spirit of grace upon those that are left. That speaks of His Holy Spirit. We know in the time of the tribulation, God will raise up 144,000 witnesses, 12,000 from every tribe of Israel. We know during the tribulation, great revival will take place. When the Spirit of God is poured upon them, they will recognize Christ as their Savior. And according to Romans chapter 11, all of Israel will be saved. They will turn. Now, I believe as we look at prophecies here in Zechariah, there will be two-thirds that will be slain in the wars and the persecution, but a third, a remnant left, and they will turn in saving faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks here that they're going to be broken. They're going to mourn. They're going to recognize that that Jesus they put upon the cross of Calvary was the real Messiah. And that Antichrist is a false Messiah. They're going to be turned in saving faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, look in chapter 13 of Zechariah, verse number 1. God said, in that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. In other words, the veil of blindness will be removed. Zechariah 13, verse number 6 and one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They crucified him, they wounded him. But like Thomas, uh, they'll see the wounds, and they'll cry out, My Lord and my God, my Savior. They'll recognize Jesus Christ as the only hope. They'll find forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. God will protect Jerusalem because he's going to pour his spirit upon the inhabitants, upon its people. Now let me just wrap this up and we're going to get to the exciting things tonight. God's not finished with Jerusalem. When you see these events taking place, you see the war, you see the turmoil, you mark it, God will protect that city. God will protect his people. If God breaks his promise to Jerusalem and to Israel, you cannot trust a single promise that God makes. But the fact is, God will never break a single promise. You can trust every promise that God has given. Events happening this past week, it's very evident. On the news media, Jerusalem's already a burdensome stone. This one small city is bringing into focus the entire world. But God will protect that city. You're going to see every kingdom that comes against it is going to be defeated. There's a warning here to the Palestinians who are sending the rockets in that direction. God will protect that city. Yet I believe this is a future prophecy concerning the Antichrist. Now I want you to quickly go back with me to verse 10 of chapter 12. There's a message for you and I. God said, I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look unto me whom they have pierced. And I want you to know that it was my sin, it was your sin that pierced Jesus. It was our sin that put him upon the cross. You see, we deserve the judgment of God, we condemned him by our sin to die. But the Bible speaks that we can come to Jesus Christ. And friends, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives you his spirit. His spirit comes into your heart. You're forgiven. You're saved. You can be sealed by the spirit of God unto that day of redemption, that day that Jesus comes back for you. Uh, the Bible says that your body will become the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, which lives in you, dwells within you. He'll never go away from you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And so he warns us, don't grieve him. Don't quench that spirit, but submit and give yourself unto him. Now, let me just wrap up this thought. God has a burden for Jerusalem. His eyes are upon it. He watches it. It's his city. He protects it. He gives a warning that all that come against it, he will destroy. 
But I believe here is this picture that all that will look to Jesus, whom they have pierced, can be born again, can be saved, can be forgiven. I want every head bowed.